Hey, hey, everybody. Good afternoon. It is on Texas football inside Texas uh, weekly chat edition uh, with uh, Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com, as well as Ian Boyd of Inside Texas. Uh, Welcome in, guys. Hope you guys are doing okay. And uh, y'all ready to talk a little Longhorn football today? I think uh, I'm ready and I think it's going to be very positive. (laughs) <laughs> At least out of these lips, it's going to be very positive. <laughs> All right. Let's start uh, before we before we do anything else. Uh, thoughts immediately on the idea that Quinn Ewers will be the starter in uh, Dallas tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow uh, at 11. Jerry, you, you go first. Uh, not surprised at all. I think Ian will say the same thing. Um, all the reasons he won the job, nothing's changed. Uh, and if anything, the first quarter of the Alabama game only cemented that in Sarkeesian's mind. I mean, I was, I, I've was i been thinking about this since the injury. Can you imagine how excited Sarkeesian was during the first quarter of that game when he knew anything he called looked like an NFL throw? I mean, it, he was like, wow, this is just like being at Alabama again. You know, when everybody's a first-round pick at quarterback. I mean, that had to be what he was thinking during that game. And it probably was the same thing Nick Saban was thinking during that game, too. So all the reasons he was he, he got the job, won the job in the first place, there, nothing's changed. In fact, I would say it's only been cemented. Yeah. Ian, what about you, bud? Yeah, I agree. Um, they also, you know, Quinn Ewers has been able to throw for weeks. Like he started throwing uh, just before the UTSA game. So they've seen him in practice. They know how he looks. I mean, maybe he's been, you know, ULM, he looked a little shaky. And then Alabama, he looked like, I've been I've been practicing these throws for six months, right? I kind of wonder if it might look like that again against Oklahoma. And you kind of wonder if he might have been practicing with Oklahoma in mind for these last few weeks. It's kind of like when, uh, <laughs> when Kyrie Irving would, like, get five days off in between starts for the Nets, and every time he played, he'd score 40 points, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I kind of wonder if yours has, has been like preparing for something like that. Uh, obviously, that's an optimistic view, but I, I think Bobby, Bobby, I think the biggest key for OU, and I know we'll get into this with Quinn coming back, is to make the game move fast for him immediately. And I don't know if Oklahoma can do it because it, talking to people close to Quinn after that Alabama game, when the one thing Quinn said was the game was moving very slow for him against Alabama. And if, the, if a quarterback of his talent, the game's moving slow, if you're the opponent, you're done if he's got yeah. good players around him. They got to make it happen. I, there's yeah. always that, 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 that little tinge of doubt with me. Um, so every, <laughs> each and every week, uh, we have one question that we throw out to the audience. I uh, want to get their feedback on. Uh, the question this week is, who is going to be your player of the game, your pick for player of the game? I'm going to ask Jerry, Ian, and myself that same question later in this uh, this chat, and we'll go over it. But for right now, I want to know what you guys think. Uh, please submit those, and uh, we'll be uh, putting them up on the screen as we go through this uh, this uh, uh, weekly live stream uh, with Jerry and Ian. Uh, first, I want to make sure I say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has hands has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I did it myself. Uh, Contact him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net if you're considering or would consider uh, franchise ownership. 
Um, all right. We talked about the Texas quarterback situation, uh, Jerry and Ian. Ian, what's your take on what OU does at quarterback come tomorrow? I think they'll have to roll with one of their backups. Um, Dylan Gabriel was knocked unconscious in front of a live TV audience. It was clear that he had lost consciousness. He entered the concussion protocol. It was acknowledged that he entered the concussion protocol. And if you're going to try to, it's really hard to get through the protocol in one week because you have like a couple days of rest and then you have to go through this like four or five step process where each step takes 24 hours. And if you have any symptoms that are reported or noticed, then you have to start over. So it's it, the protocol is basically designed to make guys take an extra week off uh, when they get a concussion. And um, you can cheat it, obviously. The Dolphins seem to have done that. But the best way to cheat it is to uh, uh, not – That's a great timeout. That is not the – if you're an OU fan or a co- fan of college football, that's not the comment you want to make. The Dolphins <laughs> cheated it. I mean, that that was a, a black eye on all of football, not just NFL in my opinion. Yeah, which made it that much less likely that Oklahoma would try it, right? But also, like, the way to cheat it is you cannot acknowledge that it was a concussion. Because once you've acknowledged that it was a concussion, then you're in the protocol and there's all these – I don't know why I'm explaining why you would cheat the protocol, but I don't think we're going to see Gabriel for that reason. And uh, I, I think it will be one of these backups. My money would be on booty – just based on what I've seen of him from his, you know, Juco film and what we saw at Bevel last week. Gotcha. Um, Jerry, what are your thoughts on what who you see at quarterback uh, tomorrow for the, for the Sooners? Yeah, I think it's General Booty. I think, look, I mean, the, the guy kind of a, a levy target after they got the OU, so to speak. Um, and I think, I think what's very interesting tomorrow is Quinn Ewers coming off an injury first, Red River showdown, Red River rivalry, whatever you want to call it. Somebody gets to be the hero at quarterback tomorrow. These are both going to be guys who have not played in the game before. And so they both, like Quinn Ewers, is expected to play well. If General Booty came out there and played really well, he ends up being a hero to Oklahoma fans. So the, it's set up to be a, a great stage for these quarterbacks because they're first time going to be first-time starters, even if it was Gabriel. It's all first-time starters in this game. So it's a chance for somebody to start creating a little legacy. If Quinn plays as well as I think he is tomorrow or should play, I think he's, this is a game that Texas goes out and beats Oklahoma. He starts creating his legacy at Texas coming off the Alabama game. He's got a huge opportunity in front of him tomorrow. You know, I look at it. I don't know who's going to start um, uh, for the long, or for uh, the Sooners tomorrow. I, you know, until I'm proven, until proven otherwise, I think it's Dylan Gabriel. I know people are, are shaking their head at me as I say that, uh, but I've got to be honest. Uh, I, I just – I've seen too many weird things happen to the, in this rivalry. I don't even know it matters who is at quarterback tomorrow. I expect something odd, weird, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, and we'll go from there. This is this is something I should probably preface this because I'm talking like up Quinn Ewers right now. I mean, Tyrone Swoops did beat Bob Stoops, so anything is possible <laughs> in this series, right? That, that's exactly right. I mean, people got to realize that th- this – you know, and I wrote a, a piece today, and I want to get y'all's take on this uh, for uh, InsideTexas.com. And uh, what I wrote about was we can talk about the quarterback's position all you want. The team that wins runs the ball best typically wins this game. Last year, the Sooners rushed for 330 yards against the Longhorns. They've ran the ball pretty well all season long, by stats at least. Um, Texas has been two hit or miss. 
who do you think runs the ball better uh, tomorrow, Ian? Well, I think Oklahoma is going to put more emphasis on trying to run the ball. Uh, that's Earlier, kind of for sure. Earlier, for sure, right? Right, right. I think Texas is going to want to set up the run with the opening script that's real heavy on passes. Uh, I don't know, you know, maybe some shots, probably some screens as well, some quick hitters to the perimeter. Um, then I, you would expect Texas to be able to circle back and run the ball. Um, Oklahoma, that, that, their whole bet on this game has to be, we're going to run the ball, we're going to load the box and stop Bijan, and we're going to hope that Quinn Ewers has a first time in the Red River shootout quarterback you know, moment, bad moment, right? Um, so the game may play out di- interestingly, but I, I foresee something like, um, you know, in 2008, I think Texas had like five rushing yards at halftime. And then they, Oklahoma ran out of answers against the pass. And then Texas blew them open, blew it open in the run game in the second half. So they ended up with more rushing yards. Um, I, I could see that happening for Texas. I could also see Texas just, running the ball successful early because Oklahoma's defensive backs have not been very good tackling this season. And Bijan Robinson is a very difficult guy to tackle. So they, they could load the box and then get burned for a couple of big runs just because they misfit the run or they don't tackle well. So I guess, I guess I'm going to, I'm saying Texas, but I think the flow of the game may be a little wonky there. Jerry, what are your thoughts? Definitely Texas for me. Um, Oklahoma's not as strong running back as they have been. In previous seasons, I, I I just think the Texas defensive line is going to win the line of scrimmage. They're going to win this game for Texas defensively. I really do. I think uh, I think the guys are playing better. Uh, there's not there weren't 44 pressures against Texas Tech, uh, but um, this the defensive line's playing. You can go up and down on the defensive tackles. I mean, obviously Byron Murphy's a second year player, but Keandre Coburn's a better player this year. Alfred Collins is starting to show a little signs, right? I mean, Vernon Broughton is a better player this year. You, There's not one guy you can point to on the defensive line and say, you know what, they're the same, or maybe they've re- regressed this year. They've all made progress this year, and they're all really good players. So I, I just think this game is set up for Texas to win on the defensive line. Thus, the Texas offense is going to run the ball better, and they have the best running back. And as Ian pointed out, and I think it's a great point, if Texas can get Bijan passed, into the second level, watch out, because they have not tackled well this year. Let me ask you this, uh, and this is going to be for Ian as well. Uh, Ian, uh, the Texas pass rush, even though they've been credited with a lot of pressures, they haven't necessarily gotten home. Even against uh, JT Daniels, they kind of pushed the pocket, but they didn't collapse it except for a couple of times and really didn't have anybody coming off the edge that you just go, wow, wait a minute. Um is this a type of offense, Jeff Levy's type of offense, where that kind of pressure really matters? Or is it more of, hey, we want to push the pocket from the middle? Um, because it's so such an – the veer and shoot is such an option offense at the outset that, you know, other than pushing the pocket up the middle, you're really not going to get off – get home too often, right? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, with Dylan Gabriel, if he plays – there's more value in pushing the pocket up the middle, right? Because he's, I, when I saw him at Big 12 Media Days, he looked like he was 5'9 or 5'10, probably. And uh, that's, you know, that's obviously tricky to see over enormous people right in front of you. Um, but yeah, they have a lot of RPOs, they have a lot of play action, so it can be a little trickier to get home. 
I remember back in the day when Baylor was running this uh, offense all the time, some teams, I think the rush three really started to become popular against Baylor because people were like, look, we're not going to get there. We got to take away all these little option routes and take away all their spacing that they're used to having. So um, you could see that, but you know, if it's bevel, if it's general booty, you're going to want to heat them up some because you have a chance to, you know, really panic the Sooners and, and really get them out of rhythm. Um, so that, that'll be something interesting to see how Texas does that. Like to your point, um, they have not been terrific on the edge. They've been better than last year by probably a fair margin, but they're not terrific. They are pretty good at rushing from defensive tackle. So, uh, maybe they, maybe they mix in some blitzes. Maybe this is a, a week where Overshone really comes after it a lot. And maybe they have some wrinkles there to unveil for the first time. I think that they're, they may want to send, you know, very quick, immediate pressure, zero pressure, maybe uh, was, you know, zero safeties because it is hard to get to the quarterback in this offense, but there could be some rich rewards if they do. Um, let's flip this a little bit and talk about OU's defense versus the Texas offense. Uh, we've already talked about the quarterback position. Um, you know, what What do we make of the, the OU defensive line against the Texas offensive line? Jerry, uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think, um, look, they're not as talented as they have been. Um, you know, I, I, this is kind of my point on for OU well, is Brent Venables came in. They're not as talented on the defensive line, I don't think, Bobby. It, it just don't from a pass rush ability. I think they've got good players, but look, they lost some really key guys. And then they've come in with a scheme change. So kids are still getting comfortable to that. And they've gone from a non-physical practice to a very physical practice. I mean, that's, these kids have been through a lot of change in Norman, the ones that were stuck around. Um, but I just don't think they're quite as talented there. And I just keep, uh, you know, look, some of these kids are still on the Texas offensive line are still going to be up and down. But I, I just think we're at the midway point of the season. You start to see freshman guys get really comfortable or first-year starters get really comfortable and gain confidence. And I think that's what you're going to see with the Texas offensive line from here on out. I think we're going to start looking at this game and maybe the second half of this game. I'm not sure through the rest of the season against a tougher schedule. Um, but you're going to start to see an offensive line that looks a lot different and more confident than they did at times in the first half of the season. I just I think it's I think this whole game sets up well for Texas. Uh, OU lost several guys to the NFL draft, not just on the defensive line, but guys like Nick Benito, right. who could apply pressure. Uh, and right. I, I was counting him. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and, and so, uh, Ian, what are your thoughts on the matchup of the Texas OL versus uh, versus the uh, Oklahoma front? It's much less concerning, like Jerry was saying, than the last couple of years. You know, um, Benito terrorized them for two years. Uh, Benito won the game for them in overtime when they had him spy Sam Ellinger to take away the scramble in 2020. They completely obliterated Texas in 2019 with pressure with those guys and Kenneth Murray. And yeah, they just don't have those guys right now. And, and like Jerry was saying, the scheme is different. Uh, the last couple of weeks, they've been trying to play three down and blitz their two big linebackers a lot. And like, that's what Venables did at Clemson a lot. And he would mix that look in like against uh, LSU in the title game. And they don't look comfortable doing it. They don't really get home. They don't clean up very well behind it. So uh, I, I actually – I'm curious to see what Oklahoma even does because they've been really bad the last couple of weeks up front. Um, it probably made to look a little worse by some of the linebacker fits and, and 
defensive back play, but Kansas State took it to him up front. Uh, TCU blew open some holes a couple times. Texas is a, sort of a different animal than those schools, but you're probably, you know, for all that, I think an emphasis this week has been like, hey, look out. You're going to get a different Oklahoma this week than we've seen the last two weeks. You're going to get a little, I agree. Yeah, but you're going to get a different Texas too. Like, well, you're going like, to get – Ian, question for you. <clears throat> the last two – so one of the big reasons – Chandler Morse was healthy last year – or last week. One of the big reasons TCU went with Dugan in that game was quarterback run ability. So Texas is not going to have that this week. That's out the window. So how does that change things for Oklahoma? Well, I think Paul Wadlington did a really good job in his preview this week talking about Oklahoma's defense this year, where he was noting that they some of the things Venables says after the game, like, you know, we were good on 40 plays and we were bad on 20. Well, that's kind of the name of the game when you – do the things on defense that they're doing, which is like you're just dialing up pressures. You're just dialing up blitzes off the call sheet every play because you know your team can't play good fundamental defense. So you're just trying to catch the offense, you know, and hope, you know, uh, Skip uh, Paul's example is always battleship, right? So I think the big plays that were inflicted on Oklahoma were a running quarterback makes it easier to find creases and to punish them for mistakes or bad calls. But um, I think the underlying weakness is not one that you need a running back, a running quarterback to exploit. I think like a busted coverage can happen against Texas. Uh, a missed fit or crease can happen if you go unbalanced and you spring Bijan Robinson. Um, I think Texas will be just fine without that dimension in terms of finding some similar pay dirt. Let, let, let's talk. Let's let's keep going on the Texas offense versus the o, OU defense. Um I really liked Steve Sarkeesian's game plan last week. He got Hudson Card in the flow of the game early with some short passes to the flat, uh, easy passes. Even though Card did miss a big play to, to Xavier Worthy, he hit a couple later. You know, you're starting a new quarterback, essentially, that hasn't played in a month uh, in this game. Uh, and the wide receivers for Texas ostensibly should have a – should be favored over the receive, over the defensive backs at Oklahoma, right? I mean, uh, not only Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy, but even Jatavian Sanders. Um, you know, how if, if you're Texas, how do you get that going early with Quinn Ewers? Uh, and and really, what does it look like? And what, what is the defensive personnel at Oklahoma capable of maybe trying to stop first? I mean, the thing I, I think that Venables, Brent Venables is going to try to do is whatever Texas does best, he's going to try to stop that first and then just let the game go from there. Um, because he knows how this game is built on momentum and it's crazy and all of this other stuff. What does he try to do? What does he try to stop in the passing game? Uh, Ian or Jerry, whoever wants to take that. I'll jump in first. I think you. I think taking away the tight end, Sanders, is huge for Oklahoma. Because the, your best chance, I think, is for Quinn to make throws down the field Maybe that that he doesn't have his best day. But if the tight end, if Jatavion Sanders has a big game early for Texas, then it's going to make it really tough on Oklahoma. You've got to take out Sanders if you're Oklahoma. And then you got to see if Quinn's going to make the throws down the field because he hasn't done it since yeah. in, a, in a month, like you said. That's what I would do. I, I'd try to take the tight ends out because, again, 
you know, we talked about it on a video earlier this week, and Ian wasn't on that one. It's almost one A, B, and C at wide receiver. It's Worthy, it's Whittington, it's Sanders. Um, and, and if you can take Sanders away, then you just, you take your chances. on If Quinn makes first-round level throws to beat you, then you tip your hat and move on. But make him make those throws. Ian? That's a, that was an interesting strategy idea from Jerry. I hadn't really thought about that. To, uh, the way I was anticipating this game going was that uh, Oklahoma will maybe simplify it a little bit as opposed to what they've done in the last two weeks. Um, try to keep numbers in the box to keep Bijan from finding room and then playing a lot of off-man coverage outside and uh, just trying to avoid getting beat deep. And so from there, my assumption would be that Texas could uh, make their living early in this game, throwing underneath Jordan Whittington and, and Worthy some a little bit on screens and such to uh, just pick up some easy yards underneath and, and make Oklahoma worry enough about that sort of third option that they have to pull away from Worthy or they have to pull away from Bijan. Um, Jerry's strategy would be a little more aggressive. Maybe that's more in line with Venable's uh, mindset. I don't know. I, if I were Venables, I would not want to count on my cornerbacks holding up isolated against Xavier Worthy. Maybe he gives it a try. I don't know. But, uh, I, I mean, we already saw that last year, and I don't think they're better. So uh, that, that's, that'd be how I see it going. But I, Jerry does make an interesting point. Yeah, the one thing I got to say is mix the running backs into that receiver group too. You know, Texas has done a good job getting their running backs in the receiving game, whether it's Keelan Robinson early or Roshan Johnson and, and B. John Robinson later. Um, it, it's been interesting to me to watch that kind of transpire uh, because if you, if you think about it, what Texas is really trying to do is not give Oklahoma or its opponent a real idea of what their, their big game plan is for the second half or, or later in the contest. And I, and I think that, I think that that's always interesting to me because uh, Steve Sarkeesian's offense is not necessarily predicated just on one or two guys, even though when we see a guy like Xavier Worthy go down uh, and uh, Hudson Card unable to really uh, do anything about it, that, that it can have a, a major effect on on the offense. Um, I want to talk uh, flip flip the script a little bit here and talk about something I don't think that's personally been talked about enough. Steve Starkeesian mentioned it, mentioned it in his teleconference yesterday, and that's the that's the tempo that Oklahoma plays at. I mean, Texas has not played a team with this much tempo this year. Tech tries to do some of that, but they didn't do that that much in that game. They they tried to bleed the or they did bleed the clock quite a bit. Um, you know, maybe maybe OU changes that up tomorrow with a different quarterback if they go with uh, General Booty or or Davis uh, Bevel, but if it's Dylan Gabriel, I'm betting they're, they're, you know, going 90 miles a minute. So what does the tempo do for a team like Texas, um, you know, that, you know, has, has, has had issues when they had to face a lot of plays, right? They wear down a little bit. So Ian, your thoughts? Yeah, for that reason, Amongst others, I, I, d I doubt Oklahoma moves away from tempo, right? Like even if, if you get down early, let's say Sark comes out with a great opening script, which is likely, and it lands, all the more reason for as Oklahoma, you're like, we got we to gotta increase the number of possessions in this game. We got to give ourselves a chance to come back here. Um, 
We haven't seen Venables as a head coach in the situation too many times to know if he might rein that back, but that's that's all Levy knows. So that's kind of what they're married to for this week. It, Texas is advantaged in that Pete Kwiatkowski has faced Tempo a lot in the Pac-12, and Gary Patterson has faced this exact offense multiple times. Uh, most recently, I believe, was when Texas was running it in 2016. Uh, I believe that was the last time Patterson faced it. And uh, he knows what's up. He knows the score. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to be pretty anticipatory of, of what it's going to take to to handle it, uh, which is generally like be prepared to get your calls in fast, make sure everybody's communicating, but also simplify because they're simple too. So you can simplify and get away with it. Jerry, how do you think tempo affects this game? Well, I, I think the tempo only affects this game if Oklahoma has any success running the ball. Uh, because if they don't, I just because look, I mean, here's the one thing we know about the uh, that this offensive scheme. Everybody it used to th- talk about it as a passing scheme, right? But it, it it's an established the run scheme. Uh, I mean, and that's the reality. I think Art Browser ran the ball. What's Ian Price the number 63 percent of the time, right? So when this offense is humming, you're running at sixty percent of the time. Um, if Texas takes away the run, I think it affects the, the tempo and what they want to do greatly because what they do, what Oklahoma and Levy does not want to have happen is his guys in third and longs with the inexperience of a general booty in this game. And that's going to affect your tempo. Then I think that's going to make them second guess a little bit. And he doesn't want, he doesn't want this game to come down to like a general booty throwing the ball 40 that's right. times too. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this, because I think I think it's a uh, legitimate question that, that one of the commenters made. Uh, Tech ran tempo when the twos were in on defense to keep them on the field. Subbing is going to be critical. Point. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if uh, the self-scout in me says, hey, once they bring Dorba and Jet Bush in uh, and possibly Jalen Gilbo uh, and the twos are on the field with with maybe Vernon Broughton, that you don't uh, run tempo to kind of keep them on the field so they can't, you know, the other, other guys can't get off. That's a great point by Sam there. Yeah. Good job, Sam. <laughs> um, they may want to, uh, you know, you can try to mitigate that by maybe well, this is a little risky actually, but you could blitz more when you have your backups in and just try to create a negative play. Negative plays slow down tempo in a big way. Tempo as Texas fans can probably remember from watching Herman's offenses for so year, many years. Tempo became dangerous when Texas would get a first down. And then they're racing up and they're getting their call and you're on your heels and then it starts to snowball. If you can stop that opening possession, then you're a little better off. They got to be ready to sub fast too. Like you're going to have to sub. So be ready to. I, I, ready. I think the other interesting point with the tempo is I think Sam brought up a great point by the way, but Here's the other thing is if it was Dylan Gabriel, a healthy Dylan Gabriel, I think it's easier to go tempo. Okay, so there's going to be some hesitation with whether it's General Booty or, or Bevel. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, he was very familiar with the scheme and very familiar with Levy, right? So I think that does change the game a little bit. How much, we'll see. But I think it definitely changes the game from a coaching perspective when you're talking about tempo. Or maybe you just, though, maybe you just say, 
forget about it and this is our best chance and, and go do it and be riverboat gamblers Saturday. If I'm Oklahoma, that's kind of what I was talking about taking away Sanders. I'm going to riverboat gamble this game a little bit because I'm not playing well. Uh, they have uh, Texas has better players than Oklahoma uh, at a lot of spots. Um, and, and that's probably the way I would attack the game now. That's easy for me to say I'm zero and zero and can't be fired. But, you know, <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Sometimes you have to risk. It's a risk reward scenario. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what you're describing. Uh, I, and, and yet, furthermore, it's not just that Texas has better players. Because I some in some places, I think that's true. In some places, I'm kind of meh. I think in the um, matchups, along, in the matchups in this game, I think it's true. Well, it, particularly along the offensive line, though, I don't, I don't know how good either sides that that I, I just don't know. But what I would say within that, at, at the same time, is Texas is definitely older than OU, so they're more experienced for sure. More of their guys have have that are going to play significant minutes tomorrow have played in this game, um, and so and played big parts in it. So. I do think that that matters. Uh, before I go to, I want to ask you both about the Rocat and what you think, that if you think Texas will go to it tomorrow and what they might do out of it. Uh, before I do that, I do want to uh, say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general, call Andy Ludicky. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Um, Jay, the activist, before we'll go this, he runs a Royal System 2, our Braille System 2. Um, Gary Patterson's impact on that. Jerry, you mentioned that briefly um, in, in, in the uh, previous answer, I think or Ian did one, I think 2018 was the last time that uh, that uh, Gary Patterson faced that sort of system. Uh, Pete Kwiatkowski now has had a chance to face it last year with Arkansas. He got obliterated on the edges last year. They just picked picked him apart. Couldn't uh, stop Texas the had no run contained. What's that? Couldn't stop the counter to save his life in that game. Yeah, exactly. And so long story short, uh, we'll see how this goes, but that is definitely something that Texas – should lean on or should have leaned on by now uh, going into this game. There's not much you can – I don't know that there's much you can do once the game's going uh, to reteach stuff, but I, I think it definitely helps. Um, I want to I ask you all next – thanks, Jay, uh, for the super chat there. I want to ask next about uh, the Rocat and, and really uh, what we're going to see out of this and whether or not we should see it at all. Um, frankly, we didn't see it last week, and Texas converted on third and short regularly. Um, with a defensive front that is supposed to be better than OU's. Right? I mean. Uh, maybe. Okay. Well, in, in, in retrospect, maybe. Right? In retrospect. I, I think you only, I think you see the Rocat if uh, the play sheet's not going how you want it. I, 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 unless it's a certain situation. Look. If you take the ball out of Quinn's hands, I don't like that. Period. Unless it's third and one. Period. Because he has a chance to put it in the end zone every time. And the defensive coordinator across the way knows he has that ability. I, I think that's worked a little bit. It's been good to have. I, the less you see of that moving forward, the better it is for the Texas offense. That means the play sheet and the way they feel the game's going. 
and the way the quarterback play and opening up every throw, opening up the entire playbook. I think everything's going much smoother the less you see of that. I don't know what Ian thinks. Well, that was a good – you make some good points. I, I would like to see it, though, in the opening script just as part of an all-out blitz on Oklahoma's sense of their responsibilities in their defense and their own game plan. Um, I think that if you, you mix in some tempo, you mix in Rocat from, you know, the formations where all the guys that are necessary are already on the field, right? Not where you're subbing it in, but to where you can just mix it in a, a, on like second and five or something. I think that it would be useful to mix it in there because, I mean, Oklahoma surely has tried to prepare for it and everything else they've seen on film. But I want to make this defense prove they know how to handle a whole gamut of different responsibilities and challenges because they've been so error prone. That's interesting. So basically saying incorporate it early just to see how they're going to defend it for later. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, I mean, not Jerry's, necessarily in key down and distance scenarios. Right. Uh, Jerry's right that, you know, Ewers targeting these cornerbacks is not something you necessarily want to remove from the equation because it's so potent. And um, short yardage, I don't know. It's a, I think it's a pretty solid short yardage package. But um, Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The one with the, the one where they bring in Byron Murphy and Keandre Coburn is pretty good too. Um, when you can mix in RPOs or play action, that's also nice. So I don't think they have to have it for short yardage. And if, if Oklahoma shows any inclination to stopping it, then they have you know, move off of it. You have other options. Ian, how much do you think you see Andre Carrick tied in this week? I would guess a fair amount because it was so effective against Alabama. You got to be thinking like Oklahoma are going to want to try to blitz viewers, right? Mm-hmm. Get uncomfortable. So I think. So I, I absolutely expect to see it, you know, it, get a clean pocket. And then it's, uh, then you don't have to worry about blocking Oklahoma so much. You're just worried about, hitting the right throw to Worthy and, and reading the safety's leverage or whatever. And so I think, absolutely. You think we might uh, at all see a, a pass out of the Rocat? This would be the week. Why? Say, t- tell people, explain why that would be the case. Well, it's just, you know, <laughs> either you, if, you, if, you, if you don't feel that good about a trick play like that, you show it like the week before you play your rival so that they have to worry about it. Um, if you really like it, you save it for the rivalry game. And they've been, they've been sitting on that play for like three years, it feels like. So if they have a good version of it, this is now's the time. Fair. Jerry? Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. Um, look, I mean, the one thing I know about Roshan is he will make the throw when that time comes. Um, but, I, I look, I'm, I'm, I stand by what I said. I, I hope we see a lot less of it uh, because that means everything else is going well. Right, yeah, that's that's a fair uh, fair point right there. Um, we have only scored 29 second half points against Power Five competition. If this game is close, can we come, can we close them out? Is the question. Um, fair question. I, I think it's a fair question. I I felt 
like um, too many people took too much exception with last week against West Virginia. Texas only had the ball four times, two times they scored. So two out of three possessions, they scored. The fourth one, they were marching down the field and would have scored had they, I think they ended on the 20 yard line, uh, you know, just running the ball down West Virginia's throat. So is that enough? I don't know. Um, And more than any of those, the one that bothered me the most in that regard was not Alabama. It wasn't UTSA. It was Texas Tech on the road. This is a road game, even because it's a neutral site. Um, where, where do you guys come in? Ian, give, give me your thought on that, because I know you do a lot of film study on this stuff. Is, is, there a, is there a common theme you see with second halves for Texas that you worry about being too similar to a year ago when they really had problems in the second half? Yeah, I think the reoccurring theme is teams load the box maybe Tech would play press coverage, and then Texas, they're daring you either, we're not going to let you run the clock out. And Texas wasn't good enough up front to just impose their will anyway. So teams would say, we're not going to let you run the clock out. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us by throwing it over the top, even with a big lead, and still scoring. That's kind of a, it's kind of a Big 12 mantra over the last decade and a half. Is what the teams will be like, we're not, gonna, we're not just going to take this L. We're going to make you either embarrass us or we're going to turn it into a shootout. And uh, that's uh, tough on the on a team like Texas. So obviously against Tech, the, the solution to that is either you line up enough big bodies and impose your will in the run game. But Texas is too young and inconsistent on the offensive line to do that. So you got to take them at their word and say, okay, you want to be embarrassed, we'll embarrass you until they throw in the white flag and you start chucking it down the field, score points. That was hard when you didn't have Xavier Worthy. And uh, it was hard. I think Card has played pretty well, but it's definitely easier to do that when you have Queen Ewers. So we really haven't even seen this. Their, their best solution to that is just to have Ewers throw bombs to Worthy. And we haven't seen them be able to try that solution out this season. So I, I hope Oklahoma tries that. I hope we get in that situation. Oklahoma tries that strategy. And then we see how it goes against those two. I, I'll tell you what I think is interesting, Bobby, is um... – I'm not sure Texas players and even in, in individual players, maybe Jatavion Sanders has, and maybe Quinn would have if he hadn't got hurt. I'm not sure anybody's had a great game. Xavier Worthy certainly hasn't had a great game. Bijan Robinson's been just as advertised, but he hasn't had one of those games where you're like, ooh, wow, this guy is dominating everybody. I think that could be a little bit part of it is, is somebody going to have a great game? And does that game carry over into the second half? Um, I think some of these Texas players are due to have a great game. Xavier Worthy certainly is. Um, but here's the thing about the, those second halves, too. Xavier has to be more consistent catching the football throughout an entire game. He needs to look like a first-round pick. He, As talented as I think he is, he hasn't looked like a first-round pick this year because he's been too inconsistent with his hand. So maybe maybe it's time for Bijan to have a, his Ricky Williams moment in this game. But I think that somebody, I think your best players need to have great games, and none of them have yet, save maybe Quinn for a quarter against Alabama. Yeah, last year I think Xavier Worthy in this very game, hundred percent. To your point, um, and uh, Bijan Robinson was headed to one at halftime, and then was totally uh, cut off at the knees in the second half. In my opinion, yep. they took him out of the game uh, and concentrated on Worthy without Jordan Whittington 
or I didn't even know if Jordan, I can't remember if Jordan Whittington was already out. I thought he went out during the Oklahoma State game, but he did. He, um, went, out, he went out against Oklahoma in the second or third quarter. Okay, that's what it was. Um, and so, you know, that that hurt Texas. Casey Thompson's injury, I think, ostensibly hurt Texas as well. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, this is a new Brent Venables team uh, in a new uh, regime in Norman. And I think Texas is in its second year now under Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, this is a big game uh, for both teams and the trajectory. We've talked about that all week. Uh, I want to get into that in a second. Uh, first, I want to remind people, I wanna, I'm posing this to the entire group here, and please put your answers in there. Who do you think will be the player of the game for the Longhorns? This is for everybody to, to comment. We'll put, put your answers up on the, on the screen as we go throughout the, the program today. But who do you think will be the MVP of the game? So let's talk about, Jerry, let's talk about trajectory. Because when I say trajectory, my first thought is that it impacts recruiting. Um, and I don't mean this in a, in a, I don't mean to just give it lip service either. Um, Texas and OU are both three and two. Whoever wins c- comes out of it four and two and looks like the, the program ahead of the other. Fair? Yeah, fair. Especially, in year, especially if Oklahoma won in year one under Brent Venables coming off the two bad outings. Yep. And then the flip of that is A&M goes to Alabama. This is the same time a year ago when Alabama, when a and It was disaster for Texas. Couldn't yeah. have gone worse. Yeah, exactly. So this is another one of those trajectory weekends, kind of, in my opinion, because who are the two teams Texas fights the most in recruiting? Really fights. OU and A&M, maybe LSU. Yeah. Fair. I mean, so take LSU out of this. They're not really involved this week in that way. What, what, what do you think of this and how – what this will mean if Texas wins, if Texas loses. I well, I, I hate the I, I hate to label these things because I know some of the fans don't like it, but I don't care. This is a must-win game for Sarkeesian. It's a must-win game. Oklahoma is is a they're wounded. They're going to come out and fight. But I think Texas has a matchups. I think they look good in the matchup to this game. I think they're a more confident team. I think it's year two for Sark versus year one for Venables. And I said the same thing before the Tech game. And it was a bad look to lose to Joey McGuire in year one when they hadn't been, they couldn't run the ball against NC State the week before. I know NC State's a pretty good team. They couldn't run the ball against Houston. That's just a bad look. And the re, the way you rebound from a bad look is you go get your first big win at, at Texas. Sark, it's a must-win game for him uh, for recruiting purposes for me. I mean, because what what it fur- does further is it hurts Oklahoma. And if Oklahoma doesn't play well again and loses this game, and they're sitting there three and three, and it looks like a six and six type of season for Venables, um, then that's a huge advantage not only for Texas but also for A and M. Even if A and M, you know, if things don't go well for them in Tuscaloosa Saturday. But to your point, Bobby, I think it's a great point. last sa- last year could not have been a worse Saturday for Texas. They got up early, and everybody, all the media, Twitter was blowing up. Texas is back. This is what you're going to see under Steve Sarkeesian. Then not only did that total collapse, but then A and M went and beat Alabama. After Alabama looked dead in the water, I mean, A&M looked dead in the water going into that game. And then the momentum just, whoom, it created a tidal wave of momentum. Um, Sark, it's a must-win game for Sark. I'm, look, we can put it on. We can put it on these people. It's a must-win game for, all, for many purposes. 
already lost the tech, which is a, I just think it was a bad loss. I just do. Um, and the way you come back from a bad loss, you come back and beat your rival. You look good doing it. And you start to create that momentum on the recruiting trail. Maybe the other thing happens in Tuscaloosa and, and Alabama puts a beat down on AM too. But this is a must win game and Sark, it, it, he needs that big win. He, at the end of this game, he needs to put the, that, that golden hat on and not point like Charlie did, but he needs to have a celebration moment as the Texas head coach. He has not had a celebration moment as the Texas head coach where all the teams gathered around them, and it just looks like, whoa, okay, this is things are headed in the right direction. Texas needs that moment, and now that, that moment this year is tomorrow. Ian, I saw you uh, when Jerry said this is a must-win Give the thumbs up on the screen there. Uh, why do you Why do you agree with Jerry? I, well, I don't know if I can say it better than Jerry did. Um, I, I, I guess I could add that if you want to be in the Big Twelve Championship game, you cannot lose this game. Um, you can. I think honestly, well, I, I agree with Jerry that losing the Tech was a bad look. It was rough to. It just went down poorly for Texas fans, too, because the rivalry and the acrimony with Tech is so intense right now. So for them to get that satisfaction, I think, was really hard on Texas. But um, you knew that Texas with a young team was probably going to blow a game or two in the Big 12 that they shouldn't. But they, they need to make the Big 12 championship game this season. That's, that should be the goal. That should be the, the measure of success, especially the way things are playing out. And uh, that doesn't happen if you, if you blow this game against Oklahoma. So yeah. there's the there's the Big Twelve championship picture, and then there's also what Jerry is saying, just the opportunity cost. If you don't step on the throat right here against Oklahoma for recruiting and for all the narrative and momentums around the program, that's a they would be a really steep cost if if they can't pull that off. Well, I see people saying, "Hey, you know, wait, wait a minute. This Texas only recruiting a certain amount of guys that are committed to Oklahoma or that are interested in Oklahoma, and vice versa." This isn't necessarily about 2023. This is about going into next year's recruiting cycle with some momentum too, right? It's not it, just about right now. It, it's not, and it's also about the 12-year-old kid sitting on the couch watching the game Saturday, watching college football Saturday, because the age of influence with all these kids is 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And Texas has not been good for all, the age of influence in the last decade. All those kids have seen as SEC win, SEC win. Okay, so Texas needs to hit the mark with these young kids sitting on the couch, the next wave of football players. It's been a long time since Texas has done that. And Texas has a real opportunity. You got Bijan Robinson, who could be a first-round pick at running back. You got Xavier Worthy. You have guys that are doing great in NIL, Quinn, Hewers. Now you've got to deliver on the field. And you need to deliver on the field when everybody's watching. Texas almost did it against Alabama. You only get two, maybe three chances at this every year. And even Oklahoma State, whether they're ranked, there aren't those chances. Your chances are in Alabama, an Oklahoma, or a Big 12 championship game. And so you are that if you lose this game, you're out of chances this year. They yeah. need to be done. So I just saw uh, Bobby. Somebody just asked on the bottom. You know, why? What? What defines a must-win game? I think Jerry was just getting at it just there. If Texas loses this game, it is going to be hard for this season to be a success. That that's what makes it a must-win game. You'd have to you'd have to run the table and win the Big Twelve championship for this season not to be a failure. If you can't beat Oklahoma tomorrow. 
Well, I mean, barring you know crazy injuries or something, you, you don't beat Oklahoma tomorrow. You're probably not beating Oklahoma State. You're probably not beating Baylor either. TCU, TCU. I mean, so there's a there's a laundry list there. I mean, this is a you know at the same time uh, you know uh, Trey Elling. I don't know if you guys saw his interview with uh, Teddy Lehman, the former OU All American, uh, this past week here on on Texas football. Uh, but uh, he said Teddy Lehman came up with something pretty interesting, and and I agree with him, by the way, and that's why I'm I'm kind of going back to it. He said that the team that is the underdog in this game has the advantage because they have they throw caution to the wind. To Jerry's point about risk reward, I feel like that's what Joey McGuire did in Lubbock. A hundred percent, right? Yeah. Does does Brent Venables do the same, or do they? Yes. Does he do it more measured? Does he do it more measured? Because he's probably he thinks he probably has more talent to match up with Texas long term than maybe what Joey McGuire thought in Lubbock. I think Teddy brings up a great point, but I, I'll say this: I don't obviously I don't have it in front of me. Has any team ever come into this game the week after getting their ass kicked, like really kicked on the field? I yes, mean, Oklahoma and Texas were really good for a long time. I don't yeah, think that, anybody's walked into the football after getting annihilated. Texas, right. Texas yeah. has done it. Did I miss yeah. it? Who who did who who TCU, who TCU, oh, TCU did yeah. woodshed. Well, I forgot some of those. Okay. I'm talking about the Mac Brown and Sweetster, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely in those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Th- that's bad, right? I mean, that's that Texas got walloped by TCU, came back. Here's, here's, uh, and the, won. here's the reality. Here's the reality. Oklahoma should come out with a lot of fight and they should be motivated, but they're not gonna be a confident team. Not after the last two weeks. That doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. This is not going to be a confident team this week, so it's up to Texas to show them again early in the game why they're not a confident team. Do not let the confidence build. So no long, sustained drives to start the game? Let them dink and dunk down the field? Is that what is that what you guys are saying? Ian, you agree with me on that? Uh, yeah, I do. So how does, how does Texas do that? Uh, they need. I think they, I think they play man coverage this week, like uh, I hope le- so. Legit cover one kind of coverage. Uh, I think they should mix things up because you can really wreck quarterbacks in the system. The quarterbacks in the system get really used to knowing where the ball is going to go when they get the ball at the snap, like they already know. And if you can create hesitation, that's can be really devastating. So I, I expect Texas to mix it up some, but. One of the go-tos early should definitely be man coverage. You know, let Jedi Barron go up with Marvin Mims one-on-one. Definitely don't be afraid of the other matchups. And, uh, yeah, go at them. And let's say this about this uh, this offense. And, look, I, you, you guys know I, I think Art Browse is an absolute offensive innovator in college football. And I think the best quarterback evaluator that's ever coached in the state of Texas. But – Oklahoma doesn't have RG3. They don't – I mean, they don't have C.D. Lamb. They are not as talented on the field on offense as the Art Browse teams were, as these recent Oklahoma teams were. And I think that's something very important. And, again, that's why it leads to me – that's why I say this is a must-win game. This is not the talent level of Oklahoma that Texas fans are accustomed to seeing. It's just not. And I'm not saying it's not going to get back to that under Venables, but he took over it. I, I, I can't even imagine a tougher transition for a first-year head coach than what he went through. You know, it's a total difference in scheme, 
the way you approach your practices and your program. And then Caleb Williams, everybody walks out the door. It couldn't be a more difficult situation for a first-year head coach at a Blue Blood program. Um, and this is not the, the level talent that Oklahoma's had. Um, so that's why Texas needs to go win the damn game. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to get to, to you guys and, and now pose the question I posed to everybody else on here. Your um, player of the game uh, for the Longhorns on Saturday. Um, to be fair to you guys, I'm going to go first. Go. I think that's that's the only I, I'm not go. picking the same one y'all are, so keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going with uh, – it's going to be his last Texas OU game, and, and that's B. John Robinson. Um, I think that if Texas can get him involved, not just in the run game, but in the passing game early – I just don't think OU's linebackers have any answer for that. Um, I do expect OU to play more zone than they played maybe or have played uh, just to keep everything in front of them and make Quinn Ewers dink and dunk down the field as a, you know, somewhat new quarterback uh, given he's been out for a month. Um, And I just think the way you do that is is short passes, uh, get seven or eight on uh, first and second down as opposed to, uh, you know, going for the jugular all the way down the field. Uh, and so because of that and because of just how talented he is, I'm going with B. John Robinson. And the second one, if I had to go for a second one, it'd be Roshan Johnson. Um, because B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, those two are one-two punch that I think the OU defense is going to have to account for all day long. Go ahead, yeah. Ian, because Bobby will be ready to fade me to black on mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bobby, also feeding your point, um, Oklahoma, it was announced today that I, I may butcher the name, Shane Whittier, Shane Witter, linebacker, is done for, I don't know, the year or, or a prolonged period of time. So they are really short on healthy linebackers right now. I think yeah, their frontline starters are healthy, but, you know, you have like one guy go down early in this game, and it could be like when um, Ryan Reynolds went down for Oklahoma in 2008, and then they're like, oh, crap, there's not a lot behind him. Um, so and then at that point, you're absolutely just hammering Roshan and Bijan over and over again. I'm picking, um, for similar reasons, I'm picking Jordan Whittington. Um, apparently, even if I faced Jerry, he would zero in on Sanders and not Whittington. So that's um, – Whittington's <laughs> finding wide open grass. Oklahoma's been bad at defending bubble screens this year. It might be Whittington's last chance to play in this game. He's never had a good chance to play in this game because of health. Um, He's just what he's he's their worst nightmare for this game because he can't be your focal point on defense and he's really hard to tackle and he's playing in space. So I that's my that's my call. And I'm curious now what Jerry's about to say. This is so far out of left field. I would refuse to believe a talent the level of Alfred Collins is not going to come through and have a massive game at some point at Texas. And I actually think this – I'm going with Alfred Collins in this game. I think he's got a a two-and-a-half sack type of game in him. He's got the length disrupt. Um, He's coming in with the second wave. Um, I just think – and I may be picking the wrong defensive lineman, but I refuse to believe the one guy that Nick Saban fought for in recruiting is going to exit Texas without being close to the level player that he showed his freshman year and he's back healthy and he's starting to make a little bit of some plays. I think he's got an opportunity in this game 
Um, I, I may be picking the wrong defensive lineman, but I'm going with Alfred Collins so far out in left field, nobody would ever think it. But I think somebody it's it's the it's the Red River rivalry. Somebody's gonna have a big game you don't expect. So I'm going with the guy that has the most talent on the defense that hasn't shown it in a long time. Jerry, I, I picked him as my cover photo in my defensive preview for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could see them playing, and I mentioned this in the article, I could see them playing three down um and getting more tackles matched up on their guards. Yep. And then it the same I agree with you. It's like, will it be Oshimo that feasts in that? Will it be sweat? Will it be Collins? I'm not sure, but it could be. I, I, to me, that's actually not that crazy. Like I was thinking that as well. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby was not thinking that. So while this game uh, produces strange heroes, I, I don't think there's any question that does. Stony Clark, right? Um, he was a starter. Um, it, it, he he was never like the guy or anything like that. I and mean, it produces those kind of those kind of guys they may make individual plays once or twice they're they're not typically even stony clark wasn't the mvp of that game right for example um and so that's my that that would be my only comment if you're going to go with a defensive lineman i would go with two uh i think byron murphy will probably have a great game uh he's just been so good so i i I really just like how active he is uh, and plays through so much contact. Not necessarily a great pass rusher, though, although I think that he could have been – whoever's blocking him in almost every single game could have been called for a hold that wasn't, to be fair. Uh, the other is Tavondre Sweat. Uh, he's played well uh, and been the one guy that's kind of, I think, had some success getting after the passer, even though – Keandre Coburn has, has done a really good job pushing the pocket. Uh, by the way, if Jalen Ford's family's listening to this, they're probably saying, what does my kid have to do, get 25 <laughs> tackles to get a, a vote here? I mean, and Oklahoma's got to establish a run. If they don't establish a run, I mean, I mean, is Jalen Ford not the leading tackler in the Big 12 at this point? Maybe maybe it, I should have been easy, direct all hate mail to Justin Wells. I always do that, by the way, <laughs> whether we're on there or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with the, the Jalen Ford thing. I think he had such a poor uh, start to the season uh, with zero tackles against ULM. He's been in double digits ever since. And so he is really, truly the unsung hero of the Texas defense at this point. I think that, Ian, and I, I ask you this, that's part by design, though, of Kwiatkowski's defense is funneling it to the linebackers at some level. Yeah. I, I was going to say, actually, I heard from a source around the program in the preseason that if everything went to plan, that an enormous percentage of the production would come from uh, the buck and then the week and Mike linebackers, and they would just pile up tackles. Um, it's kind of a function of trying to contain things on the edge and then having these all these big defensive tackles eating so much attention and blocks up front. So... Uh, Ford has been pretty good. Um, I don't want to say – his numbers are maybe a little bit inflated just by the, the design of the scheme. Like PK had a defense at Washington where Ben Burkirvin, who was a good player, but he had like 160 tackles or something one year, you know, and it's because he was playing behind like Amuzariki uh, or Vita Vey or somebody, you know, and just running free to the football all day. That's kind of the design of the defense, but – yeah, Ford is doing it well. He's playing pretty well. 
Hey, guys, we didn't mention one person on the defensive line. Hmm. Moro Jomo. He was out for Texas Tech, came back um, against uh, West Virginia. He made the defensive line better, in yeah. my opinion. He's, uh, he's, he's one of their better pass rushers just in terms of he knows how to use his hands. Um, he's got a great motor. I'll probably, he, uh, Jerry, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on this. He might, he's probably working his way to late-round draft pick. Yeah, he's he's to me he's always had the talent, and again he's a kid who came out of high school at sixteen and years and what nine months, so he's always been a younger guy, um, and and it's that time. I mean, um, I agree. He's he's worked his way into a guy that you could see making an NFL roster. Um, and by the way, that's huge for recruiting. What, what's going on right now? I mean, even if wherever Keandre Coburn gets drafted, the people, the fact that people are starting to project him high. And you're starting to talk about Ojimo that way. Uh, Tavondre Sweat looks like a guy that'll play. I mean, you start Jalen Ford looks like a guy that may that has is going to have a chance to play. It's been a while since Texas had guys show up that have developed in the program that have a chance to get drafted. That is huge for recruiting. And and that, again, that's why I hate to put pressure on Sark and the guys, but that's why this game's so big. There, there's a lot of positive things that are happening that were taken away in Lubbock, I believe. Um, in the in the fan base just went uh, uh, but there are a lot of positive signs. I think they're recruiting the right guys. I think the talent's up in the program. I think guys are being developed in the program. Um, to that point, Ian, multiple a guy like Ojemo looks like a guy that can make a roster. He did not two years ago, even though he's a young kid. Um, you know, and 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 that's why I'm I, I'm keep my hopes up for for Alfred Collins because he has more talent than all of them. If, yeah. he ever, if he ever if he ever flips it, he's got more talent than all of them. Well, if you're right, more power to you. Uh, we'll come back on here and I'll bow down. I, I've got no problem with that. Uh, give give everybody the thing. Hey, I, I've got a couple more questions we need to get to, but I, but first I, I need to do this last sponsor read uh, for Andy Ludicky, who's really helped us out and made these possible. Uh, not only for uh, me, Jerry, and Ian to be a participant, uh, but also for us to have a professional producer, Matt Hutchison. Uh, there on the controls in the background. Uh, stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general, call Andy Ludicky. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Thanks again, Andy. We do appreciate it. Hey, um, what... Another question, other, what, one of the things I'm seeing, and I want to get both y'all's take on this, is that Sark has a handful of guys that he doesn't take off the field very much. Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders, Jordan Whittington, and either Roshan or Bijan. Those, those four are on, I don't know what the play count is, 80% of the plays and, Xavier only comes out when he's just ran a fly route, right? And it's tired and goes to the sideline. Um, how do they get a guy like Jai Hall involved? Um, maybe a, a younger guy like like uh, uh, Savion Red or Brennan Thompson or even a Tariq Milton. Or is this is this what we should expect from Steve Sarkeesian? Because those guys, I mean, frankly, Jordan Whittington's a pro player. Xavier Worthy's a pro player. Jatavian Sanders is. Why would you ever take them out? That was one of the things that frustrated the heck out of me 
with Tom Herman. He would put the third string receivers out there instead of let let his game stay keep his game breakers out there, and the game's still in doubt because he wanted to, I don't know, save them for the fourth quarter. I, any thought process on on how you introduce an Ajay Hall to the lineup without without missing that that piece? Go ahead, Ian. I'm of the opinion that I, I prefer the more bell cow approach with like Saban would use um, and that Sark used there. Spreading the ball around some is good, but, you know, you got a star player that's going to go to the NFL, let him dominate games, let him get a high draft pick, and then use that to sell the next recruits and then let them jockey for who gets to be the alpha. Um, I, the way that Sark does practices, everybody gets a lot of reps. He's really good at that. So I don't, I don't care how Ajay Hall touches the ball unless he's going to be a guy that's going to dominate a game. When he's ready, when he when he's the guy that's going to dominate a game, then great, let's worry about it. In the meantime, I don't care. I don't think Sark does either. I I think that's a great explanation. I think it's Gary. What do you think? I think it's a hundred percent agree with Ian. And I'm going to add to this: Ajay Hall's skill set matches Quinn Ewer's arm. So if Ajay Hall is going to have an impact this year, it's going to start with Quinn back out there. Ooh. Interesting. Um, anything, any parting thoughts uh, and score predictions uh, from you guys? You don't have to give us your exact score, but uh, general thoughts. I'm going to go with Jerry because he promised at the very outset of this, uh, of this uh, live stream to say it was going to be a positive one from him. So let's hear it, Jerry. I, I've said 44-20. I remain 44-45-20 in that area code. Um I think Quinn's going to play well. I think Bijan's going to play well. I think Xavier Worthy will have his best game of the season. Um, He's due for it. Um, I I do think Oklahoma will probably take Sanders out a little bit of this game, um, and that's going to free up opportunities for other guys. Um, I think the Texas defensive line is going to have a great game. I I really do. Um, I think it's an – with whoever the quarterback is. We talked about this before West Virginia. The quarterback's not a run threat. Texas is going to do very well defensively this year. Mm-hmm. And I think I like this matchup for the defensive line. Ian? Uh, good points. And uh, my score was similar. I, I believe mine was 52 to 21. You went big, big. Yeah, I, I want to see – I think they can. And I want to see a Stoops makes Mac Brown cry on the bus home kind of blowout win for oh, Texas. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's like a – you know, I, okay. Uh, I'm, I am because I picked Alabama to blow out Texas, and because I picked Texas to lose to West Virginia because I wasn't feel, I was feeling so melancholy after the Texas Tech game. I'm sticking with it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick OU and think that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do this, and I'm doing it uh, out of spite uh, because I am superstitious. As I, as I wrote, uh, I, I borrowed a line from Michael Scott. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Um, I'm going to Oklahoma, like, I don't know, 27 to Texas 24, just to say it, because I do have some some uh, superstitious karma in my blood. Um, all right, that's going to be it for this. Uh, this. Please don't take that seriously, folks, by the way. Um, I'm uh, That'll do it for this live stream. I do want to say one last thing. Tomorrow, kickoff temperature is supposed to be perfectly sunny and 71 degrees. Uh, what, what's the, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the wind. Is it going to be a windy day tomorrow? Or what? Uh, I don't think so. Clear conditions. That's all it says. 
If it is windy, it would show it if it's more than five miles an hour, Jerry. So I, I, you just don't know. I don't know that for sure, but we'll find out. 71 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Uh, it's going to be uh, a classic, I think, in the Cotton Bowl. Quinn Ewers back. We don't know who's going to be going. Uh, 4-0-U at quarterback. Uh, guesses all over the place from Gabriel returning to them going to their number three, at General Booty, uh, to going even to Davis Bevel. They're back up a week ago. All right, for Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com, I'm Bobby Burton, and that's been the Longhorn Livestream on Texas Football. Thanks.